Hello everyone and welcome to the Lisa Burke Show. Uh, joining me today, and I'm very happy that they're joining me today after National Day celebrations last night, I've got the Asteroid Foundation, Asteroid Day, we're going to talk all about this with Marcus Payer and Anna Bordes. Welcome to you both. Thank you. It's great to have you in the studio. And the wonderful, beautiful Emily Boland, who is going to talk about her journey through modeling into the fashion world and also other parts that are a little bit tricky. Hello, Emily. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute delight to have all of you in the studio. And uh, I'm going to start with you, Emily, um, just to give our listeners a little little bio of you if they don't happen to know you but I'm sure many of them will have seen your face. Born and raised in Luxembourg, your mother is from the Netherlands, father from Belgium. You love horse riding and you have a horse called Prada but you did also study management in Luxembourg but when you were pretty young at 16 you were signed to a modeling agency. In 2016 you participated in the beauty competition Top Model Belgium. You ended up in the finals there. You won Miss Luxembourg in 2020 and after that very actively volunteered with many many great organizations in Luxembourg and then for this work from this work you were on the committee Miss Luxembourg and um, <clears throat> Excuse me, I did not go out celebrating. This is not a, a day after COP, everyone. <laughs> no, no. Um, so from that, uh, the next year you were crowned a second time Miss exactly, Luxembourg yes. in 2021. You represented Luxembourg in the Miss World in Puerto Rico for a month. And then you've also founded your own clothing brand in 2023. So wonderful, wonderful achievements at a very young age, but it does come at a cost. So we yes, will, we will exactly. talk about this as well. And you've been very open about yes. the struggles that modelling can bring to a young mind. But let's go back to when you were 16. I mean, you are beautiful. Oh, thank you. you are tall. <laughs> talk to us about how it happened to you. So actually, um, some friends of my mom, they told me, oh, you are so tall and you have like this um, potential to be models. So we know someone who has a model agency. So I met them and immediately I signed up a contract and then I had immediately jobs. I had more like catwalk shows than photo shootings, actually. And immediately I felt the pressure because also when you are 16, you are so young and you want to like uh, look like the top models, you know, like at this time Heidi Klum was like everywhere also because of her own show on the German TV what that I was watching and so I was like, okay, but this girl she looks uh, like differently like her haircut is different okay, I need this haircut, so maybe I am on the cover of, of the next magazine no, so I, I like compared myself to everyone to everyone and uh, this made me a little bit sick like it was really like kind of an obsession to always look great than the models next to me and also for castings for example when I didn't get a job I quite like I didn't understand because you are so young so you are there like okay but like she was not that nice and you know you you, you ask yourself so many questions like why didn't I got picked and, uh, and when you go for castings, I've heard that people are not always very kind. No, no, it's n most of the time it's not nice because uh, they don't have really a lot of time and they have so many models they have to check. So uh, they just they have no filter. They say, no, you're too fat or no, you're not tall enough or uh, you are so small. Why are you even here? You know, or like, why did your agency even send you here with us? Um, but then sometimes, like on 10 castings, you can say maybe eight will say, no, we don't want to work with you. Why are you even here? And then you have two. They are like you. You are like a goddess for them. You say, oh, goodness, your hair is so shiny. I love your, your teeth. Like it could be anything. And then you are like the face of the of the brand for like two years, you know. So it's really but it's most of the time is negative. But also my mom, she was always really supportive. She was always on my side and she always told me, okay, eight said they don't want you, but look, two others, they only want you on the cover, on the, uh, for the website, for, for everything, for the fashion show, for the photo shootings, you know. And you really need to keep this in mind. And this is also really important for all the young girls, even boys, that try to find themselves. Like it's not because uh, eight out of ten say, hmm, you're not good, that there's no possibilities to like move forward. You only need that your goal. one or two hits exactly. for it to exactly. work. You need to listen 
the positive side. Yeah, you know, always. But 16, um, it's I know it pretty well because I have a 16 year old mm. and a 14 year old at very vulnerable ages. Yeah. Really, really vulnerable ages. A lot of peer pressure around as well, of course, as we know, we were all teenagers once. (laughs) I was never going to go down the modelling route, though, I can assure you of that. Um, But also high pressure at school. How did you do it all? Oh, I just tried my best Uh, in school. Also, I had a lot of pressure. Uh, of course, my parents they always said modeling is not a real job. Like it's nice to make like some money, it's like some pocket money, of course. Um, <laughs> but I was so into this modeling, and I, of course, I did my homework. I always learned for all my tests, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a lot to take, a lot, and then also a lot of jealousy in school because sometimes I couldn't go because I had like photo shooting, and then they said, "Ah, oh, she's not here because of photo shooting." You know, like <laughs> yeah, it, it's like girl things. You yeah. know, like it's in high school, and then when I came back, I, I show my friends, even the teachers were always really interesting, uh, interested in in what I do. So I was always like showing the pictures on my iPhone, and everyone came and looked. And of course, you had like the critics behind your back, like, "Oh yeah, but she's not even that beautiful. Like, why is is she?" even doing this you know so it's really a lot and when you're that age and even now because you've lived this life for many years do you ever relax can you ever go out and just like I would call it dog walking clothes (laughs) can you ever just be actually without makeup or Uh, yeah without makeup I have no problem I even go out uh, like with no makeup on a sunny day I don't really care like because now I'm on the stage uh, where I can say if someone criticizes me, I, I don't like. I'm, I maybe hear it, but I'm not listening to. Yeah, it, you know? it's you've matured yeah. mentally. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, so you. But still, can you? Luxembourg is like some people describe it as a, a large village. Can you go outside and just feel really free, or do you always? No, never. This never. So when I'm with my friends. They're also my my friends are really protective over me. So if we go somewhere, and you can see the the looks sometimes of of people, but I just ignore this. Like before, like in the 2020 when I became Miss Luxembourg, it was really hard because I didn't know that people could be so mean, like extremely mean, like for free, and also people that have no idea who I am. And I thought that that was like so sad because I even when I won the crown, I was so happy. You now I said, oh, my God, you know, I was like so happy, like a little child, you know, and so much criticism, like so much. I had a lot of positive, of course, like huge support from all the people, even my followers on Instagram, for example. And then sometimes I was like reading articles about me and I was like, that's not true. Like, yeah. because you always see it, like, in the movies, there are scandals and they say, oh, that's not true, but that's, like, international pop stars, you know, like Beyonce or Shakira, you know. But me, and like, why would you invent something about me, you know? I was like, that's not true. And, you know, things like this. But and where does the criticism come from? Which pocket of society? It's... Um is Sometimes it? it's like fake accounts. It's uh, it's often fake accounts, and you, you don't even know who is behind it. You ha- you cannot even put a face on it. You don't know if it's like a, a old man that's just watching football all day, or like a mom with five kids at home. You have no idea who it is, and um, yeah, this was really hard for me. And then uh, I also had like dark times. Let's say that I was hiding, and um, now. Like after three years, now I can say I live my life. Like yeah. I'm over this. This is why I I let go a little bit of the title Miss Luxembourg. I did my job. I did everything I had to do. Um, and now I, yeah, as you said, I started my own business because now I want to have like this image of businesswoman and not like the little, you know, girl with the crown and just like hi to, you know. But it's not just that because, you know, when you have that uh crown it doesn't come without huge responsibility and you took it very seriously Mm -hmm. and gave back an awful lot as a volunteer so talk to us about how you became Miss Luxembourg so um, everyone was asking why did you participate and um, me it was really with the crown I wanted to have like a huge platform and to influence people to help other people so I immediately started to uh, look for associations and uh, families in need uh, and my heart, I have to say, went immediately to Tzanputik. It's an association in Bagan, which is also supported by Xavier Battle. Uh, so this is an, an association where uh, supermarkets, they bring food 
they cannot sell anymore or they just give it for free to us and we will give it to the families in need. And um, first, I didn't realize that helping could also... How can I say? The sadness that I saw in the people, I took it with me at home and sometimes I was crying so much because I came home, my fridge was full of food, even sometimes so much that I, I had to throw it away, you know. And then when you help people, because um, once we had like pasta and I wanted to give it to a woman and she said, no, I don't have a kitchen at home. And when you hear this, you like I, my heart broke in 100,000 pieces. I say we are in Luxembourg, like... Because we see it on the news in Africa, they don't have water, they don't have, you know, all this what we have. And I, I took all this with me and it completely broke me because I didn't understand. I said, how is it possible that in Luxembourg, she doesn't have a kitchen, she cannot eat pasta. Yeah, we don't you know? think about the poverty Absolutely in Luxembourg, not. but it does exist. Exactly. Because the cost of living is so very, very yes, high Yes, that here. was the, the issue. Because they all had a, a job, so... Uh, Tantputik is not where homeless people come. It's everyone has a job and maybe only uh, the father and then the, the mom has uh, no job because of difficulties in language, uh, for example. And then they have like two, three kids. And then, you know, the boy wants to go football. The girl wants to do horse riding, you know, and all these costs. And uh, that's why, like, when I saw this, I, I was like, okay, I need to help more. So I was really helping so many associations, Kriebskrank, Kanna, Stem von der Stroß. Also for Christmas, um, I was volunteered to give uh, a hot food to homeless people in Luxembourg, you know. So, uh, but I have to say, I was never so happy to help. But then again, when I came home, so often I was just crying out my tears because I didn't understand. It was like... It emptied you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but you did it again. You became Miss Luxembourg again, yes. and uh, and then you went to represent the country in Puerto Rico at Miss World. Yes, uh, that sounds terrifying to yeah. me. No, it was no. It was one of the best experiences of my life because you could see the different cultures. Because normally you you see it in the books and in the movies, but they can could really live it, and you can see it immediately. For, for example, the first dinner that we had. Um, I had some Asians uh, next to me. I had from everywhere, from uh, Latinos I had. And you can also see how you eat, how different everything is. For example, we the Europeans, we have like the entrance, plate, dessert. And then you have the, the Asians, for example, they just take everything, <laughs> but they share. Because yeah. first I was like, oh my God, geez, this girl is taking everything. And like, I was like, oh my God, are you that hungry? You know? <laughs> I'm but glad then, to hear they're eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but then they put everything in the middle and they say, yeah, yeah, you know, and we eat really together. And then you have some, they eat with the, with the fingers, you know, where yeah. other cultures would say, oh, my God, why are you touching my food, you know? <laughs> and so, but I, I love this experience just, just to see how they live. So it sounds actually very positive. Yes. Not always the image we're given by Miss World if we read about it. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure because, of course, there's another crown to win. Yeah. Miss World title. And there are a lot of... Uh, countries where the girls are really pushed into this. Into this. It's, uh, I would say, more the Latinos, everything which is la Latino side, they're really, like, they are, like, uh, educated just to have this one crown. And this you can really see. You have other countries, there's, they are, oh, we are happy to participate, you know, like me. <laughs> I was there like, oh, hey, guys, you know, like, I, I, I did my job, I did all the interviews and everything, but you could really feel the pressure uh, while we were going like near the, the dates of the show and there you could really like the, the, the girls changed a bit like still nice but the pressure was was present they were holding themselves yeah. together yeah, 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 yeah. thinking about what potentially could be won or more likely because there's only one crown could be lost yes. now you've alluded to this before the fact that there's an awful lot of constant pressure you can't go outside without being recognized by a lot of people etc um, and it comes at a young age and that did dig into you and you opened up about suffering from depression yes exactly yeah was there a trigger or was it just the constant kind of well, you have everything. You have the social media pressure because you came through that with the yeah. social media pressure and the world of fashion. Mm -hmm. Was it all of this, do you think? Yeah, it was always little by little. And then because 
even in my friends group, I'm like the strong person. Like if someone has a problem, they come to me. You know, if they need to cry, they come to me. But then when I said, oh, I'm not feeling very good, it's, oh, you are strong, that's okay. You know, like they didn't realize that I also could have those problems because they always see this strong personality and always fighting for everything, always doing anything, you know. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I started at a really young age and uh, it was always more and just taking and taking. And for example, uh, when I was helping the associations, I could feel like I think I'm depressed actually. And then I was thinking, okay, those people have nothing and I have like, I have everything to live good. So you didn't. So I like didn't. I was like, you, you are not allowed to be sad. You cannot be sad. Your fridge is full. You have hot water. You can take shower anytime. You know, I have a roof over my head don't cry like you are not in a position to feel bad and I was telling this all the time because I saw the real struggle and uh, this was also like me against myself like no don't be so uh, negative yeah you don't have any reason and then uh, I had a really toxic relationship also toxic people and this for me was like where I completely lost it uh, I had like overdoses with Xanax because I asked my doctor to have like pills also like in public. Sometimes I was like shaking and um, I was not feeling well. Like sometimes when I was at the events, I just started to cry. Like I just felt like panic. in me, yeah, panic attacks. I immediately uh, went to the, um, uh, to the toilets, for example. I locked myself up sometimes with a friend because some of my friends, they knew. And then I was just crying, 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 like for two, three minutes. I put the makeup back on and I go like with a smile, like, hey, it was so nice. And I need you know, and um, then you had this uh, toxic relationship I was in. I was completely destroying myself to try to fix someone I didn't break. Also, because, of course, I always want to help and help and help. And this was like when I realized, OK, I am like I did overdoses. Like, as I said, I'm, I have everything in life. Like I have a huge family, supportive, I have lovely friends, um, I have a job, you know, and I was like, no, this is not possible. And then I talked about it because now I'm really on the stage where I can say, you can ask me any question. How, why did you do it? I can't talk about it because before well, I couldn't. My first question is, at what point did you realize I need, at how many months or maybe even years in did you realize I need to get out of this black hole I need oh, help. it was really I would say I have it like the, this the beginning that I felt it was five years ago but I didn't realize it was depression because um, I felt sick but I wasn't sick like I went to the doctor and he said what do you have and say I don't know but I, I feel like it's not like you have a headache and you just take aspirin it, it's not this so you feel so sick but you cannot tell the doctor and you don't understand. So you just, you know, you go on with your life and then you're so sad. Nightmares begin. This is the worst. Nightmares. You cannot sleep. And then also um, all this overthinking, like what people would think about me. And then also I had like a huge team behind me on social media, what I can post and what I cannot post. And then sometimes I wanted to post something. And then I, I posted it. And, no, no, no. Delete it. Are you crazy? You cannot, you cannot post this. So... I deleted it. So your life was controlled. Yes, yes. And you had lost control of your own yeah, life. Yeah, 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 completely, completely. And then also sometimes I had to to post something and I knew I just felt that's bad, like that's a bad idea. Also, because it's not representing me. So sometimes like something really... So you really did have to post this perfect, Im yeah. perfect image. Yes, yes, yes. And you had to almost live up to that image mm -hmm. exactly. that was being portrayed on social media. But I think it's so much more valuable for all of the young people looking up to you mm -hmm. to post reality. Yes, exactly. For example, really stupid example. I was eating a pizza. Can you imagine? I was eating a pizza. <laughs> so I posted it because I like pizza. Who doesn't like pizza? I got messengers like this from my team uh, saying, why are you posting this? Are you crazy? And I could understand because they said, why are you supporting fast food? But then on the other side, everyone loves it. Come on, like you cannot tell me you never went to fast food restaurants, you know. But pizza doesn't have to be fast food. It can be made so very well. It was a well. good pizzeria. It was a really good pizzeria. And um, 
then you know you, you feel immediately this attack and say oh my god i ate a pizza and i feel bad for eating a pizza and i love pizza do you, you know? still have the same team around you for no, some- no 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 okay. No, no, no. Now I have uh, another team, and uh, I really like my mm. team because they—it's not just my image, but also my me personal. They said, "Are you okay? Uh, are you okay to go to this event? If you don't want to go, it's okay." And they really ask me, like they don't judge me around like a little doll. Like they don't say, "Okay, you have to go there at eight, and then there at nine, and then do this interview at this, and then uh, don't forget to post this, and then you have to tag this." You know, it's a my whole, gosh, that sounds thing. horrible. It sounds yeah. really pressurizing. I could like when I won the crown, I was like, "Okay." this is probably going to be my life now. Like, you see it in the movies. Like, you can imagine. But when you feel it, it's something totally different. Yeah. So, going back to that, that those first steps of depression, which you didn't recognize, mm-hmm. because there's no obvious symptoms that you can go to a doctor with. You, you said, you know, there's this fatigue, there's the panic attacks, there's the, the nightmares, there's something feeling not right in your body. How do you cope with that then? At what point? Do you go and seek help? And where do you go to seek help? Yes, yeah, so me, my mom could see it. Also my friends. Because normally I was always, I'm always like smiling. And, you know, if you want to go to camping, I come with you to the camping. You know, I was always like free. And then I said, no, we cannot do this. And like really like, you know, like uh, out of nowhere, like, no, 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 we cannot do this. And like, oh, calm down, you know. And so they could see it. And um, I went to the psychologue. Also, but I needed so long to open up because I didn't know this person, obviously. And if I don't talk to my friends about it and you have a stranger stranger in front of you, it was so hard. And then uh, one day when I decided, okay, now I'm comfortable, I'm going to talk about it. uh, His response was, oh, we only have 10 minutes left. Uh, You can talk about it next week. And then again, my doors close, wall built And then I was like, no, this. And um, now that I'm older, I understand, okay, he has a job. There are other clients uh, after me. So now I understand. But when you are in a young age, you go there for help. And he says, oh, time's up. You like, for me, it was like, I'm not going to come again. I called my parents. I said, I don't want to go anymore. And I didn't even explain them why. Uh, and they always respected my choices, my parents. They said, okay, if you, they didn't even ask. They said, oh, you don't want to go? Okay, we're not going to push you. It's okay. And uh, yeah, but now I understand why he said. Okay, so how did you get through this then? Uh, I think also, because with the age, I just um, learned that everything which is around me is not really important, like all this negativity. And then again, uh, at one time, I didn't see a lot of my parents because I was working all the time, uh, doing all this stuff. And um, I decided to go back home because I live in a city and they, they live outside the city. Uh, so just for one weekend, let's say, to sleep in the house of my parents, it's paradise. It's paradise. Because before I was always... Um, Going out of Luxembourg, I go to Paris, Milan, you know, to have a completely different environment. People don't know me. Uh, I can do whatever I want, you know. And um, But that was not the answer. I really need to go back home to my mom, take her in my arms, you know. This was really helping. And uh, my sister also is really supportive. And then just with the age, like, because I, I'm a really strong, I have a strong personality. I'm, like, I can say this, you know. And I would say, like, oh, come on. Now it's time to go out because I was completely on the ground. When I took the overdoses, I said, no, this is not the answer. Like, and then you just talk to yourself. You say, come on, Emily, this is, it's okay. You, we're going to put like a finish line. This is done now. Put it behind. And then uh, I had to focus. So I opened up my business and because I need to be like, I need to do something, you know. And I was so focused on doing my business because this was uh, since a few years uh, I wanted to open up a business like clothes and everything still in the fashion world because when you're so young in the fashion world you cannot go out easily you know because you have all these connections so you need to work with this and it was really yeah for me it was I really needed to fall hard to realize okay enough this is enough but it sounds like you brought yourself back up yes without external help but with the support of a great family yes exactly yeah 
And you did it by focusing hard on a different goal outside but connected to the world you're in. So it wasn't a completely separate industry. It's related. It's something you had credentials in, you knew about, you could be an ambassador for, you could talk about it and people absolutely believe you because still at a young age to set up a fashion label is uh, no mean feat. <laughs> and you're wearing it now yeah, and it exactly. looks beautiful. So, <laughs> so tell us about the name. What's the name? And, so it's uh, Bougère, the name. And um, now, yeah, it's um, online on the website. I only have a website. Maybe I will have a pop-up like uh, in September be, uh, after the holidays, of course, because there's no one in the in the country, so I will not open up a, a pop-up, you know. So after the holidays, I really am looking for it now. Uh, I would like uh, to be uh, in the city center of Luxembourg. And... Um, yeah, it's. I just feel so great to to draw something on the paper and then to send it, and then the clothes come. It's like it's like a dream come true. Like sometimes I, I'm there, like I'm not realizing because I just draw it on the paper and now I'm wearing it. You know, and it's a huge, it's amazing feeling. Well, congratulations! Yeah. I was on your website yesterday. I was looking at the clothing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when it comes to people who are modeling your clothing, and given that you've been in that industry, you've lived that industry. Um, and, you know, I, I spoke about my teenage daughters, but just thinking about uh, women, shapes and everything else. I know, Anna, you're an endurance sport athlete and you're very beautiful well, I, I as well. I can tell you about my background and, you know, I, I can relate to your story so much. Go ahead. Just about, you know, the body image. I struggled quite a bit when I was a teenager and actually everybody at my school, they just like Anna and sports, like it's impossible. You know, this chubby teenager, you know, I was always the last one to be picked when it came to some team sports at school. And well, it was just till when I met my husband who himself he's quite into sports and he just said to me like try it you know why do you set this barrier for yourself you know why do you think you, you can't do it just try you know and you see you know you do one kilometer today you do two tomorrow you do ten in a week and then you end up in the and mountains I, in France and now, yeah, and now <laughs> I, I ride like 80 100 kilometers on a road bike wow that's really impressive that gives me a little bit of hope a little kernel of hope that I could manage to do it that's really really good to hear Anna as well but I, I just wanted to kind of um, you know parcel this conversation um, when it comes to women I've also heard the story that actually and I suppose at the moment fashion is still mostly targeted at women, though it's changing. Um, women who have the money to spend on fashion tend to be older and there is a slight movement, slight, to have older women as models, to have different sizes as models. But I did actually hear from actually a fashion person in Luxembourg. She herself is an older woman, but she has a fashion label. And she said, but the clothes look better on young, thin girls. Oh, yeah. You hear this all the time in the modeling world. And I don't know if you saw it on my website, all the models that I took, because I had like now for the summer, I have my uh, bikini collection. I have all body types. I have even... Um, I did see that. Yeah, I even have a <laughs> transsexual, because I really respect all those people, gay, transsexual. I really don't care if you're black, white, even alien, you're like, I accept you, you know. Uh, so <clears throat> I have really like, I had like tall girls, I had uh, small girls, and then also with like really nice curves, uh, some without breasts, some with a little bit more. So I really wanted to, because it's a website, so people need to identify they themselves. Because if I just have like this top models, let's say, they're going to say, ah, oh, but I'm not going to fit in this, you know. So I wanted to, to that the women... When they see my website, they can identify themselves and they say, oh, it actually looks good. And it's not just like a skinny, beautiful girl, you know. So that was really important. And that's why always me now I take models from all the sizes, even for the for the photo shooting. I had a makeup artist and uh, I told the girls, so she's professional. Anything you want, put it on your face. If you want like blue eyeliner with green and glitter, do it. Like you are more than welcome. And then everyone could really uh, do their hair as they wanted. And the makeup artist did what they asked for, you know. So I really want the girls to be like really comfortable. And also because it's bikini, so you, you show a lot of skin. And I remember that before 
I was like a bit like, oh, okay, you know, like I was like, you know, on the photo shooting, I was like, hey, you know, like not really comfortable, like trying my best, you know. So I really wanted them to. It be- doesn't come across in the photos I've seen. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but um, because it's, it's still skin, you know. So no, but it ve- went very well. All the girls were very happy about the results, the pictures. So They're beautiful. This is, this is what I want, you know, that on the, both sides. Uh, it goes smooth and that everyone is uh, happy. This well, is, congratulations, know. Emily. You've done so much. You've come so far. You should feel very, very proud. But, but more than anything, the reason I have you here is actually to tell your story of how you got yourself out of that hole. Amazing congratulations on everything you've done with the modelling and your business now. But I think your story... And the fact that you are telling your story and are open about the story, I think that's the, a very, very brave thing to do. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Now, coming up after this very short break, we're going to talk about all things asteroid. The Lisa Burke Show. Welcome back to the Lisa Work Show. And uh, still with us, we have Emily, but we're going to turn now to Anna and Marcus. Marcus Pyer is a chairman of the board of the Asteroid Foundation. He directs, inspires, federates the Asteroid Foundation team to develop and deliver the Asteroid Day programmes throughout the year and especially around the UN recognised Asteroid Day that's coming up uh, next week on the 30th of June. And we also have Anna Bordas, who is uh, now now responsible for establishing and managing uh, everything to do with Asteroid Day programs, I believe. And you have a huge experience in event in, in event management, marketing, communications, business operations. Uh, you're multilingual. And as you've mentioned, uh, you also are an endurance athlete. I have here in 2021, you crossed the French Alps in 10 days, 653 kilometres. 11,615 metres of elevation gain. And in 2022, it participated in the Paris-Roubaix 70 kilometres amateur race. Well, congratulations. And you you said, I I find it hard to believe you said you were a chubby teenager. I was. (laughs) Very hard to kind of uh, marry the two. But actually... Very good to say that as well, because here you are, this amazing, multi-talented lady. So thank you both for being here. And Marcus, I'm going to turn to you first of all, because in your role as chair of the Asteroid Foundation, tell us what is the Asteroid Foundation and tell us a little bit about Asteroid Day. Yeah, um, and maybe both. Thanks, Lisa, for having us, first of all. A great pleasure. As you know, I'm a a keen fan of Asteroid Day. (laughs) Not the first time that we actually also talk about Asteroid Day and work together. Um, and I think the first thing to understand is, you know, why is Asteroid Foundation, what is its raison d'etre, why is uh, Asteroid Day? You have to ask the question, why asteroids? You know, what are they? Uh, what is interesting? That's in a good place you know? to start. Uh, okay, so let's... Because that explains the mission of what we do, you know, uh, very well. Actually, there are three points. Um, what it's about. It's about the universe, it's about um, the planet, our planet, and it's about resources. But let's go back to asteroids. For those who may yes. not know, what is an asteroid? What is an asteroid? Well, imagine um, um, a piece of a size of between a couple of, you know, 10 meters, maybe minimum up to a couple of hundreds of kilometers uh, in sometimes very strange sizes, uh, somehow erratic, uh, very old objects, it comes to the oldest objects in space that we uh, know about, and um, made of ice, made of metal, made of minerals, you know. And they are flying around largely in a belt uh, between Mars and Jupiter. A belt that's called the... Asteroid belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um and so imagine that these, um, you've got probably, I think NASA counts uh, 1.3 million these days. Uh, but there are many, many more, many more. And uh, uh, we want to detect them uh, and we want to visit them. Uh, why is that? You were asking, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but you were asking all the questions I am about to ask you. you. Ask why? <laughs> why, Marcus? <laughs> um, the thing is that um, 
first of all, we want to learn about universe. Uh, these objects are like uh, things that have time fr frozen from 4.6 billion years ago when the universe was composed. So when you get there and you get the stuff, you can study how the universe, what it is made of. First point. Yeah. The second is uh, that everybody knows who watches Hollywood movies. Uh, and I think there are like over the years, 30 of them, uh, that these things can fall on our head. Yes. Right? <laughs> uh, and uh, 66 million years ago, uh, it happened. You know, I think an object of six miles size hit the Earth and extincted more or less all life, including the dinosaurs, you know. Mm. So. Um, Not all life. That's not all life. That's why we're here. Mean, luckily, and, and, and life <laughs> came <we> back. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yes. Uh, and um, of course, there is this, you know, fear of humankind to say, does this happen again to our planet? Yeah. And repeatedly it happened. Not that size, but, uh, but significantly, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, asteroids hit the Earth. So we have yeah. a sphere of science that helps detect them and deflect them and they're becoming ever more clever. But you also mentioned the resource aspect of asteroids. Yeah, uh, 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 true. Uh, this is something that actually when we went from Luxembourg uh, to, to uh, California and uh, met, uh, bumped into Astrid Foundation, we found that planetary defense aspect very strongly, you know. Uh, and uh, this was people around Google and, 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 and close to Hollywood. Brian May, the Queen guitarist, uh, was one of the founders. Because he's not and just a Queen guitarist, he's also a very keen astro astronomer. Physicist. Yes. yes. Yes, he is. Uh, and um, we were at the time in the spirit also of developing, uh, I think in the beginning we called it space mining. Yeah. That was an idea to say, how can you mine? I mean, Luxembourg is a mining country, right? So we were not surprised that they were thinking about mining other things than, than, than the Earth, you know? Uh, and actually, that meant uh, you look at asteroids, not only glass empty, but glass full. They can fall off our, on our head. <clears throat> but sorry, but they can also be mined and, and, and uh, you know, be a resource for us. They are full of metals of extreme value, minerals, all stuff that uh, you would need, you know. But it's so, not the most obvious thing to think about. Somebody had to think, how are we going to get there? How are we going to reach them precisely? But they can do that now. Yeah, but, um, I think it was in that vein, in this double sense that uh, you have to uh, work on planetary defense uh, and you have to work on the resource question. At first, public, uh, all public institutions, especially NASA, but also ESA, started to invest enormous money into asteroid missions. Just know. to say, for those who don't know, uh, most people know NASA, but ESA, to, oh, my, to my surprise, not everybody knows that ESA is the European Space Agency. I was quite surprised that not everybody knew this, but <laughs> they it, don't. It, it's, it's a question that um, angers us sometimes, you know, when we see our kids... Uh, running around in 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 in, uh, um, in the cities, uh, and they wear NASA T-shirts because that is a real brand. Oh, um, I've bought mine ESA ones. And we wanted to develop the ESA <laughs> brand and said, "Thank you. Let's yeah. wear ESA T-shirts." Except make, uh, I bought ESA them brand. at ESA, and not every you see ESA need to kind of like they need to. You need to. There we go, yeah. Emily. I knew there'd be a link. Yeah, yeah. Bouchier yeah. is going yeah, to now release an yeah, so ESA. Yes, there we go. Yeah. We just invented that. Yeah. Yeah. Luxembourg is also very lucky to have a Luxembourg space agency. That's absolutely true, Anna. Talk about that. Yeah, very important. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely true. And that set was founded about six, seven years ago, or something mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really not just East, um, LSA. Sorry, <laughs> Luxembourg Space We've also got ESRIC now, which is very much in the vein of what you're talking about, which is space yeah. resources. Yeah. And the LSA, the Luxembourg Space Agency, is the main sponsor of Astrid Foundation. Yes. So uh, this is fantastic work and we are very close and uh, very glad that uh, we have them on board. Uh, and actually, um, uh, they take a major role in placing 
How should we say? Showing that Luxembourg is much bigger in space than on Earth. Well, yes, <laughs> I didn't. You know, that is a thing because Luxembourg is one of the key players worldwide uh, to run space programs. So you've got a very large country, US, and you've got a very tiny country. They are both <laughs> enormous pioneers, you know. Yeah. And it has to do with the satellite business that was started here, which became world leading. And then it had to do with we were adding other elements. Uh, Uh, and now we have a cluster of, Anna, I don't know, uh, 70 or 80 uh, space-related startups that LSA collects and supports and gathers. You know, this is fantastic work. And they all work on mission. I'm not saying that they work on asteroid missions necessarily, but it doesn't matter whether you have an asteroid mission or a mission to, 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 to Jupiter. Because uh, the technology is You need the same pieces, you know. Yeah, you need the same technologies. Yeah. You need antenna, you need solar cells, you need uh, robotics. tanks, uh, your robotics, artificial intelligence. Uh, so uh, Luxembourg has a significant uh, space cluster, has built that. And then back to resources, we have to say one thing, which is also a little bit typical for Luxembourg, uh, gladly enough. Uh, When you look at um, uh, who owns these objects, basically, right? Uh, <laughs> then you have probably legal questions, you know, when you want to do business and say, uh, okay, let me work on mining asteroids. And this might happen in 50 years, I don't know, but you have to start to work on it, right? Uh, can I be sure that what I collect there is mine? The legislation framework. <laughs> so Luxembourg said, let's ah, yes. do a legislation on it. Mm -hmm. They made a space law. And the space law was based on, it's actually like the international sea. You don't own the sea, but you own the fish you fish, right? So we did a similar thing, which then attracted not only European, but also American companies to say, safe haven for our legal issues right if ever somebody claims that i don't own what i get there uh, can you can we, we can see us in front of luxembourg court and clarify that they so have. how does that work then luxembourg has its eye on a particular asteroid and says okay this is ours and we're going to legislate that that is so no no you can't legislate uh, that a celestial body is yours you can't but what you're This taking against, uh, from it is but you could say what you exploit from it It, and so that's where the parallel is with the, with the oceans. You know. And the paradox. What you're taking from the asteroid, which makes up the asteroid, belongs. Yeah, but I mean, uh, <laughs> you can, you know, let's argue about the same uh, concept for the oceans, you know. But uh, fish regenerate. Uh, I mean, uh, actually not at the point. You're of not taking water out of water, true. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, not but you are taking the asteroid yeah. from itself. But the law But anyhow, that. It was a long discussion yeah. uh, and I think it will further evolve and other countries um, uh, will also work on, work on similar things. So I just wanted to say, coming back to this, you know, Luxembourg is a hub, uh, not only as a space think tank, as a space, uh, uh, you know, con con conceptualist, I'd say, you know, uh, also as a space business hub space institutional uh, and uh, that's uh, something we build also our activities on absolutely now um i'm just going to have to flip the screens because um they flipped over oh. <laughs> don't, don't worry don't worry all is fixed now all is fixed i know that there'll be a course but that's a perfect time for us to move to Anna, so Anna, you are now looking at everything to do with the programming. You're the program director for Asteroid Day, which is the 30th of June, coming up next week. And you have loads planned. Yes, we have a very rich program and Asteroid Foundation. So uh, I'm the program director of Asteroid Foundation and Asteroid is one of the programs that we host. So uh, actually, this asteroid season starts with the visits of astronauts to Luxembourgish educational institutions. So astronauts will visit University of Luxembourg, Lycée Alain Meyrich, uh, Lycée Darimitiensi in Georgia's International School. So these will be meetings with the kids and these conversations will be about the experiences that the astronauts had in space, about what led them to becoming what they became, and also sharing this absolutely unique uh, thing that they lived, and also inspire the young generation that 
It is actually something they could envisage because when you hear the background of these people, you just realize, you know, there was a little boy, a girl, they really liked space. They were very interested sometimes in engineering, sometimes it could be medicine, sometimes it could be something else. And then they ended up being astronauts. So on that point, I was very lucky to be working with ISA not so long ago in Matera in Italy, mm-hmm. near the um, Italian Space Agency. And um, I met and now a reserve astronaut who went through the most recent astronaut application procedure. It's not, he got through 22,000 people to become a reserve astronaut. And actually, to your point, Emily, what he was explaining to me is that he's not currently on social media because all of the astronauts um, who are, once they become the astronaut in space, they are bombarded, (laughs) bombarded on social media. And again, they're not prepared for this, except he told me that, in fact, one of their, he said they're like a little bit like this hat that I'm showing up to you. They're at the top of a huge team, a huge pyramid of people who work in space. And they are the voice. They are the ambassador for the work they do. And so outreach, he said to me, is an enormous part mm-hmm. of the work that astronauts and do. Remember very simply, uh, NASA astronauts or ESA astronauts, Thomas Pesquet or Matthias Maurer, all these people in Europe, they are employees of NASA and of ESA. Simply, very simple. Yeah. You know? yeah. They are employed, they are not independent. They are yeah. not independent artists or entrepreneurs. They are employed by a space agency. Yeah, so you have all of this coming up and they will be here, yeah. based yeah. in Luxembourg, visiting the schools, yeah. giving that inspiration so desperately needed to the STEM subjects. That mm. Very feel quite passionately about <laughs> and yeah. uh, and what else have you got lined up so then on the 30th of june on asteroid day at Trumpship, the venue that was graciously offered to the foundation by uh the ville de luxembourg uh we host uh, asteroid day space lecture so this event it actually allows all space enthusiasts to get the latest update about asteroid and space research so the topics that, that will be covered uh it will be about planetary defense also using micro satellites and i really liked how it was explained to me that a micro satellite it's actually a satellite of the size of a microwave of a small fridge floating in space and actually allowing for space exploration. So how using of this can help for planetary defense. Uh, and also, um, we will have a research associate uh, from the University of Luxembourg who is exploring how artificial intelligence uh, can be used for space resources mining in the future. And how can people sign up to these events? This is absolutely free so we have our website it's it's astroday.org uh we have eventbrite links so just you know type in astro day space lecture and also astro day festival that i will talk about very soon and you just sign up and you you come and we will be super happy to see you i will come yeah sure. <laughs> <Wonderful>. <laughs> i'll publish it on my instagram oh, super well that's wonderful emily and uh, uh, lisa your audience will hear about it um because we just finished yesterday it was really fun uh, uh, with your teams um, a little spot that we will run next week in the morning and uh, for lunchtime uh, where we jingle uh, Astrid Day and invite people and, oh that uh, is you know, super one of the things in front of I know exactly <laughs> what you mean and I'm so happy that you've done that Marcus that fills <laughs> my heart with joy I know you're you're au fait with everything uh, in RTL uh, you, you were once uh, in the other buildings so yeah, <laughs> And you mentioned there just now um, all of the other aspects. So go go ahead, go ahead, Anna. Yeah. So uh, this was the June thirtieth, and also um, the space lecture will finish with a networking cocktail. So anybody who would like to talk to the speakers, there will be also astronauts in attendance. So welcome in Tramship. Uh, yeah, and on July 1st, uh, we have an Asteroid Day Festival, which is a family event. And this uh, festival is actually supported by the National Fund, Fund of Research of Luxembourg, uh, FNR. Mm. Uh, and it's actually the goal is to promote asteroid and space research and to make it accessible for the general public. So it will be a very fun day. So starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, finishing at 6 o'clock in the evening. Where? 
in Tramshab. Oh, so there's only one venue to yeah, remember. You just remember <laughs> Tramshab, Limpetsburg. <laughs> Everything will be there. Everything asteroid. Okay, yeah. yeah. Friday, Saturday, next week. Uh, join us and it will be a mix of presentations on variety of fascinating subjects so the astronauts will cover past and future manned missions in the morning so wake up early <laughs> come over don't have too many don't, cocktails don't, miss, don't yeah don't Not yet. <laughs> keep your brain fresh for all this wonderful information uh then the, also there will be an astronaut autograph session in the morning so there will be a chance to get it we will also talk about data Sonification, which is an absolutely fascinating subject. Uh, data sonification actually is used very much by astronomers and visually impaired astronomers to analyze data. So it's actually taking data and transforming it into sound. And it, it it's it, absolutely fascinating. I, I I know a little bit about this and. Um, And actually, when you were mentioning, Emily, that the models you choose can even be an alien, <laughs> I, I was thinking about the cyborg that I once interviewed. I've forgotten his name, but he literally is a cyborg and he had to fight to have this antennae put on his passport. Mm. And so he picks up frequencies and he's an artist and he literally transfers frequencies because he cannot see colour into art that he hears. But data sonification, it, it's really interesting in that you can look at data in a completely different way. Absolutely. You can sound. also feel it. Yeah. it. It adds some emotional aspect to the data. It's not just graphs. Uh, it's not just data sets. It's actually, the, there is some emotion attached. Oh, yes. Yeah, they can make music from it. Well, it sort of is music in yeah, a way. Uh, recently in Paris, I went to a Philharmonie um, concert of Terry Riley. You might know Terry Riley, uh, who was asked by NASA to compose uh, a music, a concert. He did that with Kronos Quartet the four guys, uh, world class, uh, to put into a sound, translate into sound, uh, the, 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 the waves the, the waves that probably even uh, human eye, human ear yes. is unable to hear, translate that into a music piece. Yeah. Which he did with images. With, uh, it was fantastic. It was really Sounds absolutely wonderful. You need to bring them to Luxembourg. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. There we go. That that sounds like it'll be perfect for you know. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know we haven't finished our Sorry, day, Anna. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> I I can talk for hours. We have a very rich program, as it has been said. Uh, well, at two o'clock, it will be super exciting. We're so honored that Luxembourg Space Agency will announce the finalists of their competition, astronaut for a day. Uh, and also in attendance of the Luxembourgish ministers. So uh, there will be Franz Fayot, Claude Maes, uh, George Engel. Uh, so everybody also is very welcome to see who is going to be chosen uh, to become astronaut for a day. And what do they get then? Where can they go? What's, it, what's the prize? Oh, it's uh, actually a zero gravity flight. And oh, and can people still apply? Oh, well, unfortunately, oh, it's, no. it's over. Oh, no. I would have <laughs> Now it's loved. the final stage of the competition, but there were a lot of... Do you know who would have loved that? Sam Steen. Because once, um, I was about to say during his show, not during his show, after his show, we were looking at zero gravity flights together and he was saying, now this is how it works, Lisa. <laughs> He's really keen on understanding the physics of zero gravity flights, yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> This was a competition for Luxembourgish high school students. Oh, how so, fun. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really in, in this uh, so Luxembourg Space Agency, they have a very um, great objective of pr uh, pushing space education and also allowing people to access it. And so this is one of the programs in this framework. And also Asteroid Foundation and our activity, we're aligning to this goal of promoting space education and showing uh, to the people. So, you know, all the topics that we will cover during uh, these days. And also there will be interactive workshops where uh, the young audiences on the 1st of July will be able to discover robotics programming, will be able to build their own Mars rover model. Yeah. Uh, they will also discover space resources sharing platform. Um, and th there will be so many exciting things, a pop-up planetarium as well by the Museum of Natural History of Luxembourg. So there will be so many different things. And yeah, we, we just want to show that space is, well, even if you know you think, okay, I want to work in space, I will probably become an astronaut. But actually, there are 
way more opportunities than a that. A lot of jobs. Yeah. yeah. What I'm thinking here as I'm listening to you and your excitement, I'm also thinking that Luxembourg is doing an excellent job of trying to push that education for the future workforce it requires. Yeah. I mean, we know that uh, uh, there are a couple of high-tech sectors which are hugely important for our economic development, for our societal development, the digitalization, connectivity, what they drive. And semiconductors, I don't know, you know, wherever you go, uh, space uh, plays a key role. You know, we wouldn't talk here without satellites being uh, uh, working, operating up there, you know, and we wouldn't reach the audience. Uh, our phones wouldn't work and so on and so on. You can go where you want, you know, nothing works without space. Uh, so that means that every investment Uh, in entrepreneurs who drive new solutions, disruptive, if you want, everything welcome. Luxembourg did, as I said, great job in this. Um, you need to attract talent. You need to spur innovation. You need to attract talent and um, uh, allow people uh, and in, yeah, investment. investment mm -hmm. You know, these three elements. And that's what we try to you know, Education means uh, talking to everybody who hasn't thought about space so far and Maybe who's hungry for a career or, you know, working in high tech or in, in banking also, you can work in banking. Think about space and come and visit us. That is the message, you know. It's very relevant for your future. I think we've got the message <laughs> loud and clear. <laughs> um, but with that, you mentioned it's a UN recognized day. Uh, comes a responsibility. And anytime I attend a space conference or event, I come away feeling a little bit scared that there's an awful lot of debris up there and some people are not acting responsibly when they are throwing. There's a lot of stuff mm. up there that we don't even mm. hear about. There's the whole military side of space as well. Yeah. And so we need to be taking greater care and responsibility and there should be a real drive for ethics in space. That's what I think. Mm. Uh, it's a real issue. Uh, it's very high on the agenda of international institutions, governments, uh, 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 you know, n name them. Um, uh, and uh, it is, there might be a movement, when you have these discussions, you, you might say, for example, take industrialization or take the number of planes or cars or whatever, you know. Uh, you can uh, always be... Um, regressive, I don't know whether it's an English word, yes, you know, go is. back yeah. and say, stop it, forbid the cars, forbid the planes, no growth, finish, end of story. Uh, world stays like it is, you know. This is naive and it will not work like that. And you and I, we don't want to live in a world like that, where an Orwell state tells me that uh, the number of planes is, is limited to what? You have to find cle more clever instruments uh, to get this uh, managed, right? But you also yeah. have to recognize the problem before it becomes a problem that's out of reach, for instance, climate change. Yeah, we are we, we are worried. Uh, and it's a good thing that we are worried. because. Uh, and the other part of this is not just the debris, but the fact that, like you said, all everything we rely on <laughs> has a link to, well, not yeah. just space, but it can be knocked out quite quickly. It can be knocked out. The first thing that has to be really... Uh, Uh, excluded and forbidden forever is that uh, crazy people and uh, not referring, uh, but you remember the, the story, are just shooting at their own satellites and uh, and explode them into 10,000 pieces or I don't know how many that actually put the entire thing in danger, you know. The thing is that you have to imagine when you talk about debris in, in space that um, uh, these objects don't fall down like it, they would sink in the sea or whatever. They fly forever. Yeah. And then they the also become yeah. another possible risk to hit another satellite, yes. for instance. Yes, uh, so um, if we have to combine, that is the big challenge, uh, several things. Um, the fact that there are thousands and thousands of satellites up for launch, and there will be, you know, we need them. And they are coming from private people also, like uh, SpaceX and uh, Elon Musk. And there is more and more investment. States do the same. You know, an African country uh, has uh, registered, uh, I, I think, a constellation with 300,000 small satellites, you know, stuff like that. Everybody wants that. We have to live with the fact. We did that in air traffic, right? Remember, 50, in the 50s, I mean, we know it from history, from our parents, flying was very exclusive, like flying into the atmosphere, out of the atmosphere today, you know, nearly. Yeah. yeah. These days, then, especially up to COVID and now again, you know, we have... 
millions of planes and then flights and everything. And are we able to manage it? Yes. Yeah. Are we able to talk about uh, more sustainable propulsion systems for flight? Yeah, we are. Just last week in Le Bourget, we were talking about uh, hydrogen, using hydrogen on planes, you know, and Airbus was presenting something. It's all possible with a little bit of goodwill. So uh, ban on the rogue states who don't behave. Absolute ban. And we do that. And then goodwill and uh, good engineers and good politicians to get the regulation right and use the right technologies. There are clean space initiatives. And what we work on is uh, to answer the, like, like a vacuum cleaner, you know, how can you capture uh, uh, the, the, the dead bodies? Without capturing the microwave ones that we... <laughs> So yeah. it's, it's in progress. I know we could have another show on this. And, and yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I would like another show on you this. You would do well because it's a hugely important topic. And there are some people also here in Luxembourg, very responsible and very knowledgeable, much more than me, uh, working on it. Well, Marcus, Anna, we will all be attending as much as uh, our lives allow next weekend. We're so grateful for your time, your expertise, your energy and experience bringing these huge programs to life in Luxembourg and really setting that spark, that ignition, that catalyst for young people to really want to become well, working in space in some capacity. And Emily, thank you so much for sharing your very, very deep and strong oh, story with us. Me. It's a great pleasure to have you. And congratulations with your Bougère label. And maybe one day you will have uh, Issa on it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Issa.